right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Higher Journeys. And of course, if it's your first time here, we welcome you. Well, you know, if you watch or listen to uh, this show, Higher Journeys, you know, undoubtedly that we regularly cover topics around the ET contact and UFO phenomenon. We've discussed everything from some of the more classic ideas around UFOs and experiencer accounts like the Betty and Barney Hill case, as an example, to UFO disclosure, to human looking ETs walking amongst us. Over the years, we pretty much cover the gamut. Well, recently, we started a special series called Experiencers Speak, personal accounts of individuals who have had, in many cases, lifelong contact with non-human intelligence. Well, today, we've got a special guest who is one of those individuals, and her story is nothing short of astonishing. Her name is Sev Talk, a lifelong experiencer whose first recalled encounter happened at the age of 10. Well, many years later, Seb is still trying to understand the significance of her contact encounters, not just for her, but for that of humanity. She believes that it is absolutely vital that we understand our relationship with these beings in order to truly establish a place of peace on this planet. And that's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, Seb, thanks for joining us today and welcome to Higher Journeys for the first time. (laughs) Yes, I'm very excited. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure and an honor to spend time with you and your listeners and your viewers. Well, you know, we've we've gotten to know each other uh, kind of in a unique way through a a mini docuseries, I think you could call it, that we were recently on out of Canada called the T&E Network. They did a show, uh, did a fabulous job. We were just talking about this off offline called Encounter UFO. Maybe we can even put a banner image up. Uh, I think it was four or six parts of experiencer accounts and other associated phenomena having to do with this big subject. And Seb and I were actually both, uh, I did two episodes and then Seb's episode, I was also in, in kind of, uh, spoke as an expert. I, I don't know if I actually spoke specifically about your account, because it's fascinating, y'all. We're going to talk about that today. But the whole show is great. So I think we can even maybe put a link in the description so you can go check it out. I think it's online at this point. But Sev, no wonder they reached out to you, my dear, because you've got quite the story, quite <laughs> the story. You know, you've not been on the show before. So I think the only thing we can do is begin at the beginning. I want you to share with our audience and take your time Tell us your story, your lifelong story. I'll start from uh, when I was consciously aware that I was having ET contact, and that is when I was 10 years old. Now, I'm originally from Istanbul, Turkey, and I emigrated to the United States with my parents uh, when I was around one year old. And we came into Canada and then we came into the DC suburbs. So when I was 10, I was living around the Annapolis area and more times than I can even count, I had these encounters with uh, a being that would come in a uh, spaceship and uh, I would be outside waiting very very excited because I felt like I was seeing a, a, a brother I knew that this was a man that was coming it was always this one being that looked like a young man and with dark hair 
uh, looked human. His ears were just slightly different. They were just a, a little bigger and a little more almond shaped. And he had on a dark shirt and dark pants. I don't know if they were connected uh, or not. And he was checking up on me. And each time when I was waiting for him outside, the spaceship would come from a different direction and it would come and hover right over me and I could see underneath this spaceship and it would land and he would come out and he would just check up on me, make sure I'm okay. And uh, this went on for a couple of years. And each time it was just him and I, it was no other human or no other being. And uh, when we finished, I would just ding, find myself back in my bedroom. Uh, and I would have to get dressed and go to fifth grade, go to sixth grade. And I would just tell myself, I cannot believe I'm here because I thought that was real. This doesn't feel as real as that felt. Uh, but I didn't say anything to anybody. I'd just get dressed and I'd go to school and just try to be as normal as possible. I could have told my parents because my parents were very open and very receptive, but I didn't. And I don't know why I didn't. And I, had, I, I held on to this secret for decades, decades. So the last meeting was poignant because the spaceship came and he came. And this time I was with a group of children. And we were all lined up and I didn't see their faces. I just knew they were beside me. And as the spaceship went away, there was just deep sadness. Um, we knew that we weren't gonna see him again. And in my head, I heard, okay, it's time to do your work. And then ding, I'm in my bedroom and I have to get ready for fifth grade. And to me, doing your work meant nothing. I had no idea what that meant. Now, decades later, I'm starting to realize what that meant. And I'm hoping that I'm meeting these other kids. I have a feeling I have met one or two. And I'm looking forward to meeting the other kids that I, I was with when we said goodbye. So do you recall that you said that you didn't look at the children at the time that you were in the presence of this craft? And when the craft left, did you not converse with them? No, we did not talk. We didn't look at, into each other's faces. We just knew we were together because just from my peripheral vision, I could see kids this way and kids that way. But I don't have any conscious memory of talking with them. And all of the experiences that I'm going to describe are all conscious memories. Why do you think that is that there was no contact with the other, the other children? Well, I'm not 100% sure that there wasn't because there could be a part of this experience that I'm not remembering. Uh, but then again, at when you're in fifth grade, and uh, it, I just couldn't understand the scope of what was happening. And if someone had tried to describe to me what my work or my mission or why I came to Earth was at that time, it wouldn't have made sense. I would have discounted it. I wouldn't have believed it. It took decades to believe it. So mm -hmm. I know age, it would have just been like a fairy tale. Or I would have probably just thrown that into, that was a completely a dream, but <clears throat> that was not a dream. And mm -hmm. as you and I were talking earlier, there are millions of people who are having ET contact and don't realize it because they think it's a dream because right. it happens in this interdimensional, multidimensional fashion. And uh, 
the brain has a hard time coming up with a word for that state. Mm -hmm. So we default to dream or imagination or fantasy, but they're real. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that you've talked about, not just on uh, Encounter UFO, the recent uh, docuseries, but in other venues, is about the physical effects of what we're otherwise classifying as a dream, which isn't a dream. Let's get into that. We're going to jump around a little bit, Journeyers. Bear with us because hers is such a, a large story with lots of dimensions and a lot of dots to connect. But speaking of connecting dots, talk about the X on the on your backside and when you first discovered that and you believe this is a part of your contact encounters. Talk yes. about that. Well, that was recently. That was in 2017. And uh, it happened uh, the... The second night that um, my then boyfriend and I moved here to the inner banks of North Carolina, right along the water, and we had moved here from Capitol Hill, Washington, D.C. And uh, I woke up in the morning uh, unpacking dishes in the kitchen, and it felt like something bit my butt, and it hurt. So I yelled over to my boyfriend, Patrick, I think something bit my butt. Will you look at it? So he's like, yeah, sure. So I go into the living room and uh, I pull down my pants or my shorts and I bend over and he's looking and there's just a silence. He's not saying anything. And I'm starting to get very nervous and very scared. I'm like, well... He goes, ah, yeah, there does appear to be a bug bite, but there's also a red X. And with that, I instantly knew that it had to do with the grays because I had been in contact with the grays before in Roswell uh, and uh, also in Baltimore. Uh, and uh, I said, take a picture. He took a picture and there was this perfect red X about this big, about an inch, inch and a half, um, about two inches or so, on my left uh, derriere cheek. And it was made up of these nine perfect little red circles that looked like they were burned into my skin. And when I ran my finger over it, I couldn't feel it. So I saw this and uh, fear entered my body. I'm like, God dang them. Why are they messing with me? Why are they toying with me? Like, what the heck do they want from me? I was so mad because at that point in my life, I chose to play the role of the victim in my life. And so I was processing everything through the lens of victimization. So I was going to process my ET contact through the lens of victimization. So I thought the grays were evil. I thought they were bad and I thought they were messing with me. Uh, and so I told him, we're just going to forget about this. We're going to pretend like this never happened because that's what I've been doing for most of my life. When it came to my ET contact, just, I'm going to ignore it. Well, nine days later, I came to in my bedroom and I had this, just this gush of a memory of uh, being on this uh, bed, of lying down on this bed that was resembled a hospital bed. In this room, I didn't know where I was. It hardly had any furniture in it. And I couldn't move my arms and I couldn't move my legs. 
and I felt paralyzed. And I sensed that there was something behind me and I could move my head. So I turned my head around and standing right here, right behind me was a gray and we made eye contact. I looked into his eyes and uh, as I describe in my book, it was like looking into two pools of black oil and there was no telepathic message. In the past, whenever I communicated with the, uh, with the greys, there was telepathic communication, but this time there was nothing. And that scared me even more. Like I just got nothing from it. It was completely neutral. And that's freaky. As humans, we're not used to neutrality from a living being. And that adds, I think, to the fear. So I turned my head back around and I'm in my bedroom and uh, I get up, I go downstairs, I'm waiting for him to wake up and I'm very, very, very scared because I tell myself, if there's another ax on my back, I'm not gonna be able to deal with it. Like this is, this is way beyond anything I can deal with. I please don't let there be another ax. So he comes downstairs and I tell him my memory and I also knew that, uh, when I was on that bed in that room, I was on the moon. And I had never thought I was on the moon before. So I asked him, will you look at my tush? And he did, and there was silence, and I knew. And there was another red X that looked exactly like the first one, but this time it was on my right cheek. And he took a picture. And um, it's very hard to describe what it feels like when uh, the rug is pulled right out from underneath your feet and your reality is completely flipped. It's mm -hmm. not what you think it is. And so I was just very scared. And I just kept asking myself, well, who am I? And what am I doing at night going off talking to ETs? Like, what is going on? And uh I was just so afraid because I thought they were, they were doing it intentionally to hurt me and just so confused that I just started to cry. And he said, how can I help you? And I'm like, I can't think of, I don't know. I don't know what you can do. So I pulled myself together and I said, I need help. For the first time in my life, after 40 years of mm -hmm. each contact and hiding it, I finally admitted that I need help. Okay. I was just going to let it organically come. Right. So we're talking about, I don't know your age, and I don't know if you want to divulge that, but we're talking about there was a big gap, obviously, between the the set of encounters as a child, and then I'm assuming there was a big gap where there was no recalled contact, and then in, you said, 2017 is when this, another uh, layer of anomaly happened. When well, there was there was a lot of conscious memory of contact for forty years in between. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. there, I that I was just hiding, 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 hiding. I see. So it was the red X's that made me finally come out. I see. Okay. So let's do this, Sav, because I, I, like I said, I know that there's a lot of twists and turns to the story, and I don't know all of them. Let's see if we can try to put this in some sort of chronological order bear with us because it's at any time you hear a story like this is so many different 
from the person telling the story to the person receiving it, you want to just go all over the place. I want to go back (laughs) to, let's go back to that last time when you believe you were in the company of other children and you knew that when the craft left and the, the, the being left, you felt that this would be the last time, at least in that scenario. What is, what was your next recalled set of encounters at what age? How, how much of a gap was there from when you were 10 years old? to your next set and what were they? Uh, What was happening was this, uh, this um, intense uh, plug-in to the other dimensions. So as a child, I was picking up information about other people that I shouldn't know. I was uh, seeing auras, I was seeing energy, I was just being downloaded information and I just kept it to myself. There was a couple times when I was a little girl that I would tell my girlfriend something about another friend that I thought was obvious and she'd say, how would you even know that? And so I learned to shut up. So I, I just kept just stuffing it in and stuffing it in and stuffing it in. So. Then a few years later, I started doing automatic writing, which now we call channeling. And I would just uh, write just volumes, pages and pages and pages of beautiful, beautiful information. I know it wasn't me because I didn't talk like that. And it just came out perfectly. When I write, if I'm going to write a book or an article, uh, there's a lot of scratch marks, there's a lot of arrows. But when I was channeling this information, it just all came out perfectly page after page after page. And it was about love. And it was about authenticity. And it was about uh, um, finding a fulfillment and peace. And we're all one. And I would channel and channel and channel. A lot of it, it, I, it heavily started when I was 16. And uh, I just kept it all to myself. And then I would say, I'm insane. I'm going to throw all these papers away. I'm not doing this anymore. And then I would start and I would write, write, write. And then I would say, I'm insane. And I would throw all the papers away. And that was my roller coaster of a life. Right, 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 right. All this beautiful material that was a benefit to me, but I wasn't sharing it with anybody. I thought I was crazy. I started talking with dead people were giving me messages. Mm -hmm. I would just throw away volumes of pages. I did this for decades until I was 40. Hmm. And then um, I told myself, I need an answer because if I am crazy, I'm going to seek help. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not crazy, I have to decide what I'm going to do with all of this. And I got my answer and I'm not crazy. (laughs) And later we're going to talk about how you uh, met up with our mutual friend, Kathleen Martin, who was of great help in helping you make that transition from, I think I'm crazy to, I think I'm here to do something for others. Big story. So what you're saying, Sev, is that you had the set of experiences as a child, which was very clear to you, conscious recall, but then a whole chunk of time that many people talk about as the residual effects of contact, post-contact, yes. having to do with accelerated psi experiences like yes. you're, you're having. Very, very common. But do you recall any actual contact encounters meeting up with the greys? Because I know that those are the beings that you felt you were most in contact with. Do you recall any of that in the midst of you doing all this channeling and automatic writing? Not when I was uh, young. 
the next time I recall uh, coming in contact with the gray happened when I was living in Baltimore and uh, um, I left my, my second marriage and I was living alone and it just, the doors flew open and I was coming in contact with a lot of beings, especially the grays. This was in 2010, 2011. And then from that point on, it was a lot of uh, gray interaction and also other beings too. So my typical ET uh, happened at 10 for a couple of years until about 12 or 13. And then I went more into these otherworldly beings that I wouldn't really call ET, but just these other multidimensional beings. Uh, and then uh, in 2010, 2011, then I started having conscious memories of ETs again. And then X marks the spot. And that's when you say, okay, as, as we say, halos, halos. I know you're from, I don't know if you speak Arabic. Halos, enough. Oh, oh. <laughs> halos. <laughs> enough already. I need to know what's going on. Exactly. I need to know what's going on. Tell us where that turning point happened after you discovered the X's were both visible at the same time when the yes. second one. Mm -hmm. And in my book, I have a picture of the X's. We're going to show an image. It's my entire tush. Yeah. With both X's on it. Mm hmm. You and I obviously talk. This is not my story. It's yours, but I will share with you journeyers. And if I can dig up an image, I'll show you. I have had encounters, I believe, as well. And as a result of a long one, a triangle emerged on my chin. So I can relate in terms of I, I don't know. We still don't know the extent of what it is. I want to get into that a bit more. But the the physical remnants that are often left on experiencers also quite common mm -hmm. but we'll leave that let's park that for now and come back to so the x was the sort of uh impetus for you to try to confront what was going on what happened next how did you go about doing that well once i declared that i needed help i then i just resigned to it to it uh so that it organically happened i didn't want to go just searching i wanted uh it to come to me. Uh, and so just a couple months later, I have a very good friend, Elizabeth, who lives on the island of Maui in Hawaii. And I love Maui. I've been many, many times. It's a very special place for me. And uh, she said to me, you know, Sav, I think you should see that movie Unacknowledged by Dr. Stephen Greer. So one afternoon I watched it and it just lit this fire in my, inside of me. And as soon as it was over, I went to my computer and I said, okay, I'm going to send the picture of this ex to somebody, but I have no idea who I'm going to send it to. And then I heard in my head, MUFON. And I had to Google it. And so I went on MUFON's uh, website, Mutual UFO Network, which is the largest uh, research organization in the world. Uh, dealing with UFOs and ETs. And on the website, there was Kathleen Martin. And I told myself, she's the one, she's going to help me. So I emailed her and two or three days later, she responded. And then we Skyped for an hour and a half. And pff, that was one of the most important conversations of my life because she validated everything for me. And she made me realize these are not dreams. These are not fantasies. 
this is real. And she was so gracious and so kind and so supportive. And now we become friends. She's my mentor. And I just think the world of her. And I had asked her in that meeting, you know, I see in my mind's eye, I see myself on stage and talking. What am I supposed to be doing with all the information that Grace have given me about the hybridization program and the fate of Earth and what's going on in the galactic system? What am I supposed to do with all this? And she said, I can't tell you that, Seth. You have to discover that. So I'm like, okay, uh, I'll just let it organically happen. And then a few months later, I woke up and I said, I'm writing a book and I'm coming out. And I wrote the book and uh, it came out in August of 2018. And then I heard from AlienCon just a couple days after it came out. And they said, I would like you to speak at AlienCon in Baltimore, which was perfect because I had so many ET contact in Baltimore because I lived there for 20 years. And that was my coming out at AlienCon in Baltimore. And the response was superb. I heard from so many people who said, I've never told anyone this, but, and that's too <laughs> quick to my ears. Don't you love it when you hear that? We know and about I, that. Oh. I think I know what I'm supposed to be doing, helping yeah. people get it out. Because if you're cramming that inside of you, that that uh, inability to express your true authentic self interferes with manifesting your reality. You're not you're not you're not being the real you, and you're hiding a part of you that you shouldn't be hiding. It's the real you. You're having ET contact. Don't hide it. Accept it deal with it, process it. Why is it happening? Uh, for very beautiful reasons, it's happening. And once uh, you give yourself permission to go there, because I was so afraid to go there, but once you give yourse yourself permission to go there, it's your reality changes because your internal self and the way you visualize yourself and reality completely changes. And we know that we manifest through our belief system. This pervasive inhibition on the part of so many that you and I now both know you, I, I know Seb is working with experiencers now as a part of MUFON, I believe, a local MUFON, we can talk about that as well. But in the course of interacting with others that were that are in the position that you were once in, as with me. Uh, getting so many hearing from so many of you and particularly those and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just point out the obvious here you're looking at two women of color <laughs> you know this is this is another aspect the cultural uh, racial the religious you know uh, sort of stereotypes that this phenomenon comes outside of is part of that inhibitor I can't tell you how many people email me just today. I received a few emails saying, Alexis, I'm so glad you're talking about this subject. I never thought I'd see someone that looked like me having a conversation like this. Guys, this is why 7i and others like us are doing this work to show that this is a ubiquitous phenomenon. And it knows no color, no religion, no culture, no social status. And we've got to start talking about it. Talk about a little bit. We're going to just jump to purpose here. I heard you say on the, our mutual uh, uh, show that we were on that you believe that it is imperative that we 
understand what we're dealing with, get to know who we're dealing with to the best of our ability, if we ever want to see peace on this planet and amongst ourselves. Remember when you said that? Mm -hmm. Speak to that if you would, because that's powerful. This is the why of it all. Sev, talk to that a bit. This is the why of it all. Through this ET contact, which happens in a multidimensional fashion, it doesn't happen just when you're camping or driving down the the road in the middle of the night and then a ufo comes and you see a beam of light it 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 happens mostly in an interdimensional multi-dimensional fashion yes it also happens in 3d but uh these beings these ets and these otherworldly beings too that we're making contact with live in the other dimensions above and beyond the three that uh human beings are aware of and when you are consciously aware of yourself using your abilities, your paranormal abilities, your psychic abilities, your interdimensional, multidimensional abilities, through this ET event, you then plug into the rest of you. So this part of me right now is such a tiny, tiny, tiny part of all that I am. And as humans, as earthlings, we are not really encouraged to explore our other abilities that exist, our other abilities that take place in this quantum matrix of energy and and frequency that we live in, which is where our psi abilities reside. As you use your psychic abilities and your paranormal abilities more and more and more as you uh, practice and as you are uh, plugged in to this uh, energetic matrix 24-7, then you start to use more of yourself and you start to get information, which is very helpful to your life as a human. You start to actually become more peaceful. You start to become more hopeful uh, and you have faith in your ability to create your uh, reality. This all comes from living a life that is not bound by only what you can see. In order to find fulfillment and in order to find success and uh, in order to just feel peaceful, it's very, very important that we entertain the other aspects of ourselves that exist in the other dimensions that we can't see. And the more and more we do that, the more and more we're connected to the divine truth and that we're connected, we realize how we're so interdimensionally connected with each other. It is one for all, all for one. That is very, very true. And that uh, makes you reassess what you do, how you do it, what you eat, what you say, what you look like, everything starts to change from that realization for Mm -hmm. the better. Just to to distill, so so articulately put, so articulate in the way you put that. But if I were to distill this, Seb, I would say it's time to acknowledge all aspects of ourselves if we want to understand ourselves and become more fully, if we want to ascend, we're using that word a lot, right? I don't like that word, expand. Yeah, It's time to stop inhibiting us, essentially. And that includes, but not limited to, our contact with all forms of intelligence that comes in forms that we're not used to 
we exist in those forms, perhaps. You know, I've often wondered whether some of the encounters that we have, of which we feel we're uh, conversing with, communicating with, in contact with others, may be throw-offs of ourselves mm-hmm. in some cases. You sure. know, I mean, this is a this is a really, really perplexing phenomenon. Mm-hmm. We don't know what we're dealing with here. We, I think we were talking offline about this, that as we're having this conversation, there's another version of us having, maybe having contact as we're speaking. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows who we're even meeting in these contacts? Could those grays in some cases be aspects of ourselves? Mm-hmm. It can be convoluted and it is a mind twister, but I think what you're saying and the way you said it so brilliantly if we embrace this mystery, it'll become less and less of a mystery. We will become less and less of a mystery and we'll finally and ultimately grow into who we really are, which is infinite for sure. Right. And to live authentically is magic. Absolutely. And to deny your authenticity uh, cripples you. It, it, it cripples you in, in every way imaginable in every aspect of your life if you're denying your true self. And so we were also talking earlier how the more we seek the truth internally within us individually, then the more we can seek the ter- truth collectively. So if we're all just sitting here hiding inside of ourselves, I really don't know who I am. I really don't know what I want. And it doesn't matter. But then we're going out there and telling the government, I need to know the truth. It's like, well, are you asking the truth? Are you asking that of yourself? It has Mm -hmm. to start there. And the more of us who do that, then we can stand up and scream, tell me the truth. I'm discovering my truth. Now I want to know more truth. Mm -hmm. And that's really what, in my opinion, this whole spiritual movement is, is finding the individual truths so then we can collectively demand to know the larger truth. The larger truth of which there's going to be many layers of unraveling and unfolding. What about the truth from those you have been in contact with that we call non-human intelligence? Do you believe, have you received insights from them throughout the years that you would call, uh, well, you know, truth is a strong word, but insights of what this is all about and, and why you're in contact with them? why we're in contact with them. What type of insights have they shared with you over the years, Sev? Uh, well, uh, that's a lot. That you can share. I know. <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, so um, I've been giving information. When I was in Roswell, I had something happened. Tell uh, us about Roswell. Well, I'd like you to give okay. us a little context for how did you end up in Roswell? Why did you go? What happened was when you were there? Okay. Uh, This was in 2016. I was with my ex, Patrick, then. And uh, Patrick actually uh, worked, he was a civilian working for the Navy, working on a radar defense program. And uh, they were setting it up on the island of Kauai in Hawaii. So we went back and forth between Kauai and Capitol Hill. And uh, I was on Capitol Hill, and it was just a surprise. He called me and he said, I have to go to White Sands Missile Ranch in New Mexico. Why don't you meet me in El Paso? I'll pick you up. I'll show you White Sands. And then I'll take you to Roswell. I was like, I've been wanting to go to Roswell since I was a little girl. I was like, oh, I'm so excited. Thank you. So that's what we did. We went to White Sands. He took me to the uh, White Sands Missile Range and I never want to go back there again. I 
I had all my hair was standing up. I just wanted to run. I just wanted to get out why? of there. You got to stop there. And tell why? What was going on there, Sev? Well, the White Sands <laughs> Missile Range and that whole White Sands. Uh, uh, really bothers There's so much going on there that we really don't even know. And there's a lot that's going on underneath the ground there. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it's at the base of this big, black, dark mountain. And the energy is just off the charts. Um uh, uncomfortable and scary. And the whole time I was there, I just and envisioned uh, rooms and tunnels and darkness and just bad things happening with bad intent uh, happening there. And so he really wanted to show it to me. So I was patient. But uh, as soon as we were done, and we drove out of the gates, I was like, I never want to come here again. And then we went to the white sands, uh, you know, those gypsum hills that you can sled down. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And then we went to Roswell. And we went to the museum and that was fun. And then we went to the hotel room. And uh, as we're preparing for bed, he's in the bathroom and I'm on the bed and I'm flicking through the channels. And I'm thinking to myself, I wish the show People of Earth would come on. Did you see the show People of Earth? I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. No. I liked it so much. It was just one or two seasons. It wasn't very long. And it was produced by Conan O'Brien. And it was just this really funny take on this alien abduction uh, support group. And I really liked it. But I knew that the last episode had aired and it wasn't on. So he comes out of the bathroom and I stop the TV on a commercial. And he says something to me. And then I turn the TV back on and all of a sudden, poof there's people of earth on the television. And I was like, oh, okay. So he hadn't seen it before. So we watched it and I laughed, we laughed and we went to sleep. Well, the next thing that happened was that my eyes just popped open like this, completely alert. Then the room was pitch black. I couldn't even see my hand in front of my face. And I heard footsteps on the rug. And I felt Patrick get into the bed. And I thought to myself, why was he sitting on the couch? Was it because of the aliens? And I fell back to sleep. So I get up in the morning and he's taking a shower. And I get this download. It's visuals and information how I had made contact uh, that night with a group of ETs and we were sitting at a table and they were talking about a book that um, I, they were suggesting that I write. And now back then I didn't like the ETs or excuse me, the greys, I thought they were bad. So when they were suggesting to me, I write a book, I was like, who the heck are you to tell me what to write? And then they were giving me information about the hybridization program. And they reminded me of an experience I had in Baltimore, uh, 2011, 2012, where I was shown a baby in a tube. Uh, I was in this dark room and there's this tube in front of me about my height, little taller, uh, about as wide as I am. And there was a baby floating in it. And its eyes were the bluest eyes I'd ever seen in my life. Its eyes were open. And even though its leg was hiding its um, genitals, I knew it was a boy. And I'm looking at it and I'm feeling nothing for it. And I'm confused. I don't know why I'm looking at a baby floating in a tube. 
And then I felt something behind me. So I turn around and there were three grays, tall, medium, and short. And this is before I even knew that grays came in different sizes. And they telepathically said to me, take your time. We're just going to hang out back here. Take all the time that you need. Everything is okay. And I turned back and I looked at this baby. I'm like, what? And then ding, I'm back in my room. And I said nothing to anybody. So when I'm in Roswell in 2016, and uh, they gave me information about the hybridization program, and they said, remember that? I'm like, oh, they're like, yeah, you're part of it. And there's millions of people who are part of this hybridization program. And what we're doing is that our race uh, has uh, entered this dangerous zone where we kind of eliminated our ability to be sympathetic and empathetic. We kind of lost that. And if you can't be sympathetic and empathetic to your fellow beings, your race is going to fall. It's just going to end. You're going to go extinct. So what we're trying to do is create a being that is very empathetic, very sympathetic, very loving, and also has uh, uh, a high awareness and consciousness of their psychic uh, and paranormal abilities. And there are billions of these babies. And uh, a lot of them are just kind of like in this frozen state. I don't know if frozen is the right word, but they're still in this little embryonic state. Excuse me? Oh, no, why can't I hear you? I didn't realize I, my, my mic was muted. My mouth was going and nothing was coming out like in a dream. The cryogenic state, I believe, is what it's called, which is something that has been experimented with here. Mm -hmm. But sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, so, um, so they said Earth is in a dangerous position right now, uh, but it's not inevitable that you're going to kill the planet. There's still hope. But if you do, then these billions of embryos that we've created are going to be used to reseed your planet. And they're going to be, in essence, a much kinder, gentler version of yourselves, uh, much more in tune to divine force. And, uh, and after that, uh, I, I also have conscious memories of being in contact with some hybrid babies that were very, very ill, and I was asked to heal them. And I also have other conscious memories of being in these uh, office-like settings with these government-type people and greys and doctors and nurses, and, and some of it is very um, neutral. Uh, some of it is pleasant, and some of it is not pleasant at all. Uh, there was some psychic manipulation um, some uh, interrogation. And uh, from these experiences, I learned that experiencers, the government knows who's having experiences, the government knows who knows what, and they're trying to pick our brains. And so uh, there's a term given to these experiences, my lab or MILAB, military abductions. And uh, I've only just recently started talking about this openly and publicly, because as I'm talking about it now, my heart is beating quickly and I'm a little uncomfortable. It's, it's something that I'm still coming to terms with 
And I don't know everything that happened. Uh, I can just remember bits and pieces of that. Here's what I'd like to do, because we're going to, I can't believe the time's gone by so fast. I want to, we're going to carry this conversation, as you all know, over to to our Patreon membership, which is not going to be as long, but I would love if you feel comfortable to go a little bit more, because I know there are a lot of people, Sev, that are interested in this idea of hybridization. There's another program that it is quiet as it's kept called the humanization project which is is a great book that we can talk about that uh the bottom line is it, it it seems fairly obvious the evidence is fairly overwhelming that we've got uh let's just say a number of factions human and non-human working in tandem to create and sustain these projects and it looks like that it looks like you got some insight on one of them. Would you be willing to talk a little bit more about the hybridization program over on our Patreon when we wind this up? Because I think that would be a great place to go. And yeah, it's a little bit more private there and we can get a little bit more open because I know this is deep. This is hard and it's, and, and it's courageous of you to come out and talk about these sorts of things. But, you know, you're not alone in this either, my dear. So let's go back before we close. And thank you for that. Before we close down, there are a couple of other things I want to go back to having to do with this X mark. Now, again, the idea of not only surface marks showing up on individuals after, let's just call them broadly strange encounters, as well as implants in the case of our mutual colleague, uh, Terry Lovelace, having the implant in his leg, uh, very, very common. However, here, as I think about the significance of such geometrically perfect marks of all kinds have you ever pondered or have learned what the significance of the shapes are could they be symbols of some kind either emanating messages or uh, acting as sort of a an antenna to receive messages have, have you thought about what the significance of the shapes are having to do with all of this Yes, I've thought a lot about the significance of the X, and the X is such an old, old, old symbol, uh, very potent. We really don't know much about the X. Uh, and also, uh, I had many other uh, marks on my body that I completely ignored. I just chalked it up to, oh, a bug bit me in the shape of a perfect triangle. Isn't that amazing? And scoop marks and bruises and all of that for years and years and years, which I just ignored. Uh, I recently, actually just a few weeks ago, had this geometric shape um, in my thigh. And the way I look at it is when we're just looking at a shape on a piece of paper, that's just a one-dimensional, two-dimensional um, recreation of like a tube of energy. If we look like at a mandala, that's really like a cross-section of a tube of energy. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, everything has frequency, everything has energy, shapes, names, letters, everything. So I believe that there's a frequency to the triangle. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a sturdy shape and, and it's three points. Three is a very uh, high frequency number, has a, a lot of symbolism. And uh, I do believe that uh, when we get these shapes put on us or burnt on us or however they're put on, that we're then infused with some kind of knowledge, or we're healed, or we uh, 
I, I don't know if we're tracked because I believe that uh, they're so advanced that we don't need chips in order for them to find us. They can find us just through our energy. Uh, but I do believe that those, um, those implants serve uh, us, uh, pro are probably healing us or are probably uh, helping us with our mission or probably doing something to our psyche, which allows us to come out. Who knows what it could be, but I feel that it's all to our betterment, not to our detriment. You do. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. I've often wondered, you know, the significance of the mark that's on my chin, that- And where know, it is, it's on your chin. It's and on you my chin. for a living. There's some kind of energetic frequency that probably, in my opinion, entered maybe this chakra mm -hmm. uh, to help you do your work. Never thought about that. Never thought about that. I'd like to explore this more. There's a significance, no question about it, regardless of where it is on the body. But uh, that's that's just fascinating. Sev, why do you think these beings wanted you? I don't know if it's just me because they, they come in contact with many people. Uh, like I said, uh, there's millions of us having contact. It could very well be that I just entered a, a, an overall body frequency, mind frequency, where I was able to align with those memories and I was able to remember or to align and be consciously aware what's happening. So I don't believe that I was chosen and that there's anything special about me. I just think that because of the work that I do and the emphasis that I put on trying to raise my frequency as much as possible, I then aligned with higher frequency information. That's how I view it. Do you, now you, you mentioned your, your family briefly in that uh, as a child, you could have shared with them what was going on with you because they were very open, but you didn't and you didn't know why. I'm sure you know in your research that the intergenerational link is prevalent with experiencers. Have you looked into that, if not with your parents and other relatives? Have other people in your family, if you're aware, had experiences? My father definitely did. Uh, he told me about some of them, but they weren't ET. There were more uh, otherworldly beings, uh, other beings from other dimensions giving him information. He channeled and he wrote. Uh, and he passed a few years ago, and my mother gave me a book that in his handwriting, he had written all of these mystical, metaphysical, supernatural experiences that he had, and it's a prized possession of mine. Mm -hmm. And in reading that, I realized, whoa, he was having way more experiences than he even told us. So I was hiding. He was hiding. My mother also is very psychic. She was hiding. My sister just recently told me that she had an experience with a shadow being in her room when she was little, but she didn't want to talk about it. So she was hiding. We're all hiding together. <laughs> but I was the first one that came out. And I don't expect, I didn't expect them to support me. I didn't expect them to even read the book. I had no expectations on my family or anybody in my friends or anything. It was just something that I did for myself. 
but since then, I have discovered that my family, my parents and my sister were having these psychic uh, paranormal experiences, a lot of them. And uh, also, I have a high level military in my family. Mm-hmm. My, uh, mm-hmm grandfather was a lieutenant colonel in the Turkish army. And on my dad's side, there was also high level uh, military in the Ottoman army. And everywhere I've lived my whole entire life, I lived very, very close, very close to a military compound or a military base. I think this is an inescapable little tidbit that we hear over and over and over again with these sorts of stories, connecting the dots, literally for you, connecting those dots (laughs) on the backside. The backstory, there's significance to that. Why there? We're getting the backstory, guys. Mm -hmm. I think it was to activate my kundalini energy because we house the kundalini energy in that part of our bodies. And when your kundalini energy is activated, the most important thing is I have got to be me and I have got to know the truth. That's your driving force when your kundalini is activated. That's what happened. Mm -hmm. You have the right to talk to aliens, you know. (laughs) That also happens to be Seb's book. Seb, when did that come out? You have the right to talk to aliens. And I believe it's been endorsed by Kathleen. And did she write the forward as well? Kathleen Martin? Uh, on the back of the book, yeah. On the back of the book. Thing, yes. When did you write it? I wrote it in the summer of 2018, and it came out in August 2018. So I'm pretty new to all this. This is a lot's been happening very quickly in just uh, three years. But never, not a moment too soon or too late. Right no. on time. Yeah, as always. Do you get chills when you recall? when you were told as a child, you've got work to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now you know what that work is. Yes. And I've chosen it. I don't have to do this if I don't want to, but I've chosen it because it just makes me feel good. And I do help experiences around the world. I've heard from experiences all around the world. And I would love to hear from uh, from, uh, listeners or viewers if you go on my website, planetsev.com. Uh, and go to tell me your ET story. Uh, You can tell me your story privately and I'll respond and I'll help you process it as much as I can. And I also help experiencers through MUFON. That is fantastic work. You are doing the work and there Mm -hmm. cannot be enough of us here right now. I will, let's make sure, say it again, Mm planetsev.com. I know a little backstory to that, where that came from. You want to tell, share it with the audience? Okay. Uh, many years ago, uh, my best friend Cecilia was dating this, this young man who was a writer, and he got this uh, cool job to write a short story for uh, Star Wars. And he said to me, Seth Talk, I like your name. I'm going to name a planet after you in my story. And I thought he was kidding. So the story came out, it's published, and there is this Seth Talk star system and planet, and it's even in Wikipedia. I love it. We can put a link for that too. So if you don't believe her, I know you do. Isn't that fantastic? You know, your name is quite, is that a typical Turkish name? Tok? How is it pronounced? It's not like TikTok. It's Tok. Tok. Mm -hmm. Tok. 
Talk. So my full name is Sever Talk, S-E-V-E-R, which means to love. And it's mm-hmm. hard for people to say that. So I go by Sev, which also means to love. love. I love it. And Talk means full. Full of love is what you are, my dear. <laughs> Thank you so much for what you do. Reach out to, to Sev and uh, let's... Please, I implore all of you listening, because I know there's some of you listening and watching right now that are feeling or cringing, knowing full well what you're hearing you can relate to, but you're just so afraid to speak. Please try to find the courage to come forward. We're listening. We hear you. Reach out to me. Reach out to Seb. But we have to have this conversation because you you know something? Right now, I believe our lives are on the line when it comes to... Um, the continuation of our planet. And it could very well be that this is one of those, maybe the most powerful piece of information that we need to connect each other with and on in order to survive, to survive. Mm-hmm. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. So for that, we thank you so much. So let's go on over and talk a little hybridization, shall we, on Patreon? Are you up for that? you've been wonderful and a beautiful lady you are thank you so much thank you thank you journeyers we'll see you over on patreon and uh if not we'll see you for the next show on higher journeys love you talk to you soon